Well, hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into the College Age Movement podcast once again. This week, we are in our third and final part of our series, Simple. And Simple has uh, simply been a walk through the book of Colossians, this idea that Paul presented to the church in Colossae of these foundational elements of what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. And even though it was only a short time after Jesus had left earth, that uh, people still needed a reminder of what it meant to follow Jesus. And so this uh, book, the book of Colossians, has been such an eye-opener for me personally, and I think it's been a really, really great uh, focus for so many people here at College Age Movement. And uh, the first week we talked about the supremacy of God, the idea of God not being just a character but the creator. And then last week we talked about finding fullness in Christ and uh, what it meant to, to find fullness in Christ. And so if you, if you missed uh, last week, go ahead and check out part two of the Simple series. And this week uh, we're talking about living a new life in Christ and the, this pursuit of not being what we once were but being what God has called us to be. So super, super excited uh, to, to walk through this set of scripture. So before uh, we jump into that, would you just uh, let me pray, and then we will we'll head into this. Well, Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so thankful for what you've done through this series, and, and Lord, what you're continuing to do as you, as you speak to us. So Jesus, would you continue to do that? Uh, Lord, would you be with us as we walk through this? We love you. In your name, amen. Well, Colossians chapter 3 has a ton of information in it, and we're going to walk through the the majority of the chapter, but we're going to start right at the beginning, Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 3. It says, Since then then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. The first point that I want to throw out there is this, is a question, is where is your focus? Where is your focus? Practically speaking, we have a tendency to be an unfocused people. We're incredibly busy, and there are a thousand things going on every single day. That is just in our normal, everyday life. But spiritually, I think that we have the same tendencies. We get incredibly busy as we're in this pursuit of a thousand different things in our walk with Jesus, and we tend to overcomplicate it, and we tend to, to get into these rhythms that, that might not be super healthy, and we throw new things, and we add things on top of other things, and it just gets crazy. And uh, in athletics, there's something that you can do to regroup, and we're, we're probably all familiar with that, and that is to call a time out. Call a time out. And I think many of us need to call a time out when it comes to our walk with Jesus. We need to regroup and refocus. There's so many things going on in our lives, and there's so many things going on spiritually, and there's so many things that that go on in both and how our spiritual lives tend to interact with our our regular lives and vice versa. and, And we get so overwhelmed with what it means to just live And then this idea of living a new life in Christ or or being made alive in Jesus just becomes this really, really difficult thing. And if we would be willing to take a time out and regroup and refocus, it would be such a huge benefit to us as we do that. And not just doing it one time, but doing it on a regular basis, being willing to step back, call a time out and say, okay, I need to figure things out and I need to prioritize and I need to to pray and I need to do all of those things that it it takes to help me refocus on what I am doing and how I am pursuing Jesus. And it's not just about settling our spirits. 
It's about making sure that we are pursuing, what we're pursuing is something that Christ would have us pursue. That as we think about our lives and we think about what we are spending time doing, that we would make sure that it is coming into alignment with what Jesus would have for us and, and making sure that our relationships or the schools that we're choosing to go to or the vocations that we're pursuing, whatever it may be, is something that Jesus actually wants of us. And it's not an easy question because sometimes we make decisions and then we have to step back and, and go back into the decision that we already kind of have made and say, okay, was this a mistake? Was this something that I should have done? And uh, hopefully the majority of the time we get out in front of things, but sometimes we don't. But it's okay because we can call a timeout and we can regroup and we can refocus and we can understand that no decision that we make in regards to the pursuits that we're they're making are permanent, that we can step back and we say, no, I need to reassess this situation, and I need to make sure that what I am doing and how I am doing it aligns with how Jesus would have me do it. And I think that when it comes to focusing on what Jesus would call us to and regrouping and assessing that, there's a perfect example found in the in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. It says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. So the second question I want to ask is, is what I am focused on beneficial? Is what I am focused on beneficial? And now let me be clear, clear here. It's not about the benefit to self. It's about the benefit to the kingdom of God. Is what I am focused on, is what I, what I am doing beneficial to the kingdom of God? Can God use this? Is God wanting to use this through me in my life? And if we cannot clearly see how the kingdom of God benefits from that which we are participating in, we need to reassess the entire situation. Because if our vision and our purpose is not clear, we're going to get ourselves in trouble. And that's not to say that God cannot use any and every situation, any and every vocation, use you at whatever school you choose to go to, use you in whatever relationship you decide to be in. He, he absolutely can. But God is strategic in the way that he wants to reach people, and, and we are a big part of that. And we have to make sure that, that we see the benefit, that it's not just God coming in and doing something supernatural in a, in a mistake that we're making, but that we would say, no, Jesus, I want to make sure that what I'm doing is a benefit to the kingdom. And if you could show me how to do that and you could show me where that is, it would make me that much more excited to participate in that. So we need to clearly see how the kingdom of God benefits from that which we are participating in. I think it's really important to, to point out this, too, is that, that God desires joy to be present in our lives. He isn't going to call us away from every good thing just for his purpose. But he want, He might want to repurpose our passions. So often the desires of our heart are the desires of God's heart, and he, he wants those to line up, and he wants us to use those things that we're passionate about. He wants to use the relationships that we're excited to be in. He wants those things. But he might have to repurpose that passion. Or he might have to show you purpose in that relationship. We have to be willing to open ourselves up to understand that, that God wants joy for us, but he also wants there to be purpose in any and every single thing that we do. So let's be a people who are willing to refocus and reassess and readjust when we absolutely need to. Then Paul goes on to say in verses 5 through 8, he says, Put to death. Therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, 
sexual sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. So the next point is this, is that our sinful past is dead. Our sinful past is dead. And too many of us live in our pasts. We think about all the mistakes that we have made instead of focusing on the opportunities to live a Christ-centered life that lies ahead. And we're not called to live in our past. We're not called to just dwell on those things and beat ourselves up about all the things that we messed up on. There's not a single person in this ministry, there's not a single person listening to this podcast right now that has never made a mistake. And that definitely, definitely, definitely includes me. I have made more mistakes than I'd like to admit to. But if I just live on those and focus on those things, instead of what God has for me moving forward, I can't take the steps at the pace that God would have me take them. And, and he's asking us to run into this new life with him, not, not sit and camp out in this old life that didn't involve him in the way that he should have been involved. You see, when we're surrendering our lives to Jesus, our sin is nailed to that cross. Jesus, Jesus doesn't hold, us, hold it against us, and we shouldn't hold it against ourselves either. There's no guilt or shame to be found in our past. Like God killed that on the cross. He died with it, and he is pursuing and pushing our hearts to recognize that the life ahead is so much more valuable. Now, living in the present, we have to be willing to kill off the sinful tendencies that still tend to stick around and plague our lives. We all have them. There are things that we all struggle with. And we have to be intentional about attacking those things and killing those things off on a daily basis. The, the war was won, but there are battles to be had every single day. And there isn't a single person who doesn't still have a constant struggle in our lives. And uh, all of our sin is different in some aspects, but sin is sin. We're not here to rank whose sin is worse. We're not here to, to, to figure out who, who's failing more than others. Like sin is sin is sin is sin. And we want to we wanna just really, really impress that upon you, that you understand that it doesn't matter who has told you what about how bad your sin is. God can redeem it. And he absolutely 100% will redeem your sin. It doesn't matter how bad the people around you have told you that it is. What we want as a community of people, as a family of people, is to do whatever we can to help each other kill off those sinful sinful desires, to kill off those sinful tendencies. We do not have to do this alone. We need to be in community. We need to find family and say, like, hey, this is the thing that I struggle with. I need to, I need to be held accountable in it. And I, I will, in, in return, hold you accountable of the things that you struggle with. Because trying to do it ourselves turns into a mess. And, and when we just rely on ourselves, we, we get ourselves into really sticky situations. And what we want to do is hold each other accountable and be in community and be in battle together. No one person, no one man, no one woman can run into the battlefield and slay every single sinful tendency that they have. We need people to be standing side by side with us as we pursue freedom from all of those things that we tend to fight with. Also, as individuals, 
we have to recognize that Christ wants to see us escape from that thing too. Whatever it is that we struggle with, like Jesus wants nothing more than to see us find freedom. So lean, in, lean into the people around you, but absolutely lean into Jesus and understand that he wants more for you and he wants more for me. And so we can find confidence in the fact that the creator of the universe wants that for us and that we don't have to figure that out on our own. He didn't just die for us the one time and say, okay, figure it out. I did my part, now you do yours. Jesus is willing to walk hand in hand with us, step in step with us every single day, but we have to participate in it too and we have to ask him to come along on that journey in that battle. And the reason that those things are listed in this set of scripture is not because God wants to strip us of our fun and our happiness. What what Jesus wants for us is for us to experience real joy, whether it would be sexual sin or malice or anger or greed or whatever else it's listing in here. Jesus isn't saying like, nope, you don't get to have fun. This is like a no fun zone relationship that we're having. What he's saying is those things don't lead to real joy. Those things do not lead to real fulfillment. And what I want for you is extraordinary, perfect happiness and extraordinary, perfect lives. And if you dwell on those things or you spend time doing those things, you cannot attain the joy that I have for you. So Jesus isn't trying to take the fun out of, out of our lives. He, he's doing the complete opposite. He wants us to not only experience things He wants us to experience them to the fullness of their capabilities. And when we can recognize that, our perspective changes and we are more willing to let Jesus work in those things and take the things away from us that that we do not need, that are not necessity. In, In this set of scripture, it also says that you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. And I think Paul is making it very, very clear that our past is not meant to be forgotten. Our past is not meant to be forgotten. Like we said before, we do not want to live in our past, but we also have to recognize how much value it holds. We learn from our mistakes. We learn from our mess-ups. Do not discount how important that is. When we surrender our lives to Christ, we are handed a clean slate. But that doesn't take away the life of lessons that we have already lived. We need to make sure that that our past don't just get wiped away and we're like, no, I don't even want to think about those things. There's so much power to be found in that. There's so many lessons to be learned from that. And it's going to benefit us moving forward if we are willing to, to not just live and dwell and feel guilt about our past. We don't want any of those things. But what we want is we want to remember them. So we one, we don't make those mistakes again. But two, we see the inherent value in the lessons that we learned going through those seasons in our life. And that is absolutely vital to our walk with Jesus and this new life in Jesus. We are called to live in freedom, not in ignorance. When we just completely try to to forget our past, we set ourselves up to to say, okay, like, no, I'm I'm not going to remember anything. I'm not going to even think about it. And then we put ourselves in unfortunate circumstances again, and then we make those mistakes again, and it's just a snowball effect. When we know our pasts, we know what to work on. We know circumstances that we shouldn't put ourselves in. We know specific things and tendencies that we have that, that we need to to tweak and we need to to really focus in on and make sure that it's God honoring and not something that, that God would be 
uh, disappointed in, that, that, that we made that mistake again. And when others know our pasts, oh man, like it will help them gain freedom from theirs. So when we remember our pasts and, and we we really hold on to the mistakes and the mess-ups, not out of guilt, but out of lessons learned. It won't just be a benefit to us. It will be a huge benefit to the other people in our lives. Because when, when other people know what we've been through and then they see us on the other side of something, they say, oh, you went through this or that. Like X, Y, and Z happened in your life, but you came out on the other side, and now you are here in healthy relationship with Jesus and in healthy relationship with people. Man, I, I, I know that it would grant so many people freedom because so many of us are standing on on the first side of that saying like I'm living in sin I'm living in all these things and I just don't know if it'll be worth it and I also don't know if I'll even make it there but when we can see that other people have gone through similar struggles and they made it oh man how much freedom does that bring it brings so so much and it goes on to say in verses 9 and 10 it goes on to say this is don't lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. And you've put on your new self, which is being renewed in knowledge and in the image of its creator. Don't lie. Don't, don't put on masks. We, we need to take off our masks. We need to be real with each other. We need to be vulnerable with each other. There is incredible power in vulnerability for us and for those we are vulnerable with. We've all experienced that when somebody actually pours their heart out and they're completely truthful and they're completely honest. It makes us want to be the same. And when we can live in vulnerable relationship with one another, that's where relationships go to the next level. It's not surface level. It's not, it's not a mask. It's not something, some show that we're putting on. It's not a, a character that we've created in ourselves. But when we're actually honest and vulnerable and truthful with one another, that's where relationship goes to the next level. And that's where God can use not only just the individual, but now the collective to go and do incredible things because we know where we're at. We know where our weak spots are and we know where our strong spots are. And we know that of the people around us. And we can, can step into the gaps of other people's lives and they can step into ours. And over all of that, Jesus is just watching us fight for each other and he is leading the charge with us. And every single gap and every, th- every single insecurity that we cannot fill in the other person, Jesus does. Because there are things that, that you and I will never fill in another person. That is 100% truth. And Jesus will be the only thing that can fill those holes. But Jesus wants us to fight for each other. And Jesus wants us to be in it with each other. So be vulnerable, be honest, and take off your mask. Then Paul goes on to say in verse 11, he says, Here... There is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, or free. But Christ is all and is in all. The next point is this, is that there are no outsiders. There are no outsiders. It doesn't matter race. It doesn't matter gender. It doesn't matter what denomination or church you're from or any other label that people like to place on us as human beings. This freedom found in Jesus is for every single person. And it might be easy to to be sitting here listening to that and you're like, yes, I agree with that. Right now in this moment, 100%. But once we get out into the real world, things seem to change. Because we see other people's messiness and we see other people's sin. We start to assign value onto people. 
we start to, to determine as judge and jury if they deserve to live a new life in Jesus. I think it's so vital for those of us who are already following Jesus to understand this, is that we are not superior to anyone ever. We've just found grace and we found forgiveness and we have found freedom and we want and need to introduce that to everyone. We are equals with everyone does not matter their race, it does not matter their gender, it does not matter what denomination they're a part of, it does not matter what church they're a part of, it doesn't matter what state they're from, it doesn't matter how they dress, it doesn't matter what music they listen to, all of those things, it does not matter. We are equals, period. End of conversation. And then Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14 goes on to say this as Paul is writing this letter. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If there, if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Control what only you can control. And and here's what I mean by that. This passage is focusing on relationships. And we'd all uh, admit and are well aware of the fact that relationships are tricky because there's more than one person involved. And if our own minds and, and all the things that we think to ourselves are not just jacked up enough, when we involve other people into those situations, it just gets messier and messier. What Paul is saying is this, as a follower of Christ, in our relationships, we need to be compassionate when others are not compassionate. We need to be kind when others fail to be. We need to be humble when our egos could get in the way. We need to be gentle with people when we have the opportunity to be harsh. We need to be patient always. And then he says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. All of us are in desperate need of forgiveness. And we need to be people who are willing to forgive other people because we recognize what Jesus did for us. And it doesn't matter what someone has done against you. Jesus has forgiven worse than that. And we are called to be as much like Jesus as we possibly can. And forgiveness is not easy. But we have to understand that Jesus forgave us. So we are called to forgive other people. And then we're called to love people sincerely. Sincerely love people. Not just throw out the word, hey, I love you, man. But actually love people well. To spend time with people. To get to know people. When we do that, we break down so many walls. We communicate that there are no outsiders. When we love people well, we communicate that there are no outsiders. We can love people so well by being vulnerable with them. We can communicate to them that their past is dead just like ours is. You see, when we are compassionate and we are kind and we are humble and we are gentle and we are patient and we are willing to forgive and we are willing to love, all of these things fall into place. So let's be a people who do all of those things. And let's be willing to to get messy and to forgive and to allow other people to be messy This isn't an easy pursuit, and we're fully aware of that. 
but we're going to to pursue a life well lived in Jesus and understand who God makes us. And when we can understand who God makes us, we can help other people understand who God has made them to be. And that's an absolutely incredible thing.